What do you think the difference is between complex and complicated? I feel like it's so obvious. Tell me then. Hey guys, Caitlin and Emily here, co-founders of ATX Television Festival and your podcast guides. Full disclosure, when we initially got the idea for this podcast, the concept was that each episode would be based on a panel that happened at ATX Festival, but we'd boil it down to a more in-depth conversation between just two people, and that episode could act as a pilot for its own future series. Well, that idea is particularly true for this episode, and we felt it the entire time we were recording. It's based on a 2017 ATX Festival panel with three pairs of actors and creators talking about fierce, powerful, deep, flawed and extraordinary women on TV. We wanted to explore why it was that complicated feels kind of like an insult, while complex is more highly regarded. Mary McDonnell was on that panel and at one point exclaims, lock the doors, we're never leaving. That's when we knew this needed to be a bigger conversation between even more women. But we know this episode only scratches the surface. There's so, so much more to say. We honestly could have stayed in that studio all day. Here's the thing. Now more than ever, television is kind of a think tank. It's a place to work stuff out, to dig into really important problems surrounding representation and identity. And we're starting to see a range of increasingly complex female characters. And we think it's worth attempting to unpack this a little. Think of this as our first step. You'll hear two powerhouse women, the co-creator and lead actor from Netflix's One Day at a Time, Gloria Calderon-Kellett and Justina Machado. We'll explore power dynamics on and off camera, the power and responsibility that comes with storytelling, and how it really feels for women, and especially Latino women, in the world of TV. Pull up a log, pour yourself a drink, start roasting that marshmallow, and settle in for complex, not complicated. Hi there. My name is Gloria Calderon-Kellett. I am the executive producer, co-showrunner, and co-creator of One Day at a Time on Netflix. Yes, and I am Justina Machado. I am an actress on One Day at a Time and probably best known for uh, uh, Six Feet Under, uh, Vanessa Diaz. Uh, lots and lots and lots of shows. I'm not even going to get into it. Let's just start talking. Yeah. <laughs> First female character that I identified with on TV, which is tricky because there were no Latinas on TV, right? Yes, there, yes, exactly. So we can't, so that is a difficult question. It's true. Like we start thinking about it and of course we identified with somebody, yes. but I don't know why it, as of late, it just feels like, did we really, or well, was it what they were giving us? I think, <laughs> I think I will tell you because I was thinking about this the other day because people ask us all the time yes. now, right? I, and I say Joe from Facts of Life. Partly because, like, she was brunette and she was cool and she wasn't, right? Why do I not remember these things? I love, love the Joe Facts of Life. Love Joe from Facts of Life. And by the way, she's Lisa Vidal's friend, and I almost had a heart <gasps> attack when I oh met her. Oh, my God. I Justina. was like, Nancy McKeon. Justina, I, uh, you have to introduce me. I mean, come McKeon. on. <laughs> Nancy McKeon, I went crazy. I mean, yes, absolutely, Nancy, Nancy McKeon. McKeon. Yes. And then, and then Alyssa Milano, who's the boss, because I think I thought she was Latina. Oh, my God, I loved her. I wanted to be her so bad. I wanted that hair so bad. But then so let's bad. talk about Lisa Bonet. To me, oh my I God, wanted Lisa 
Lisa Bonet. The Cosby Show was so oh important to me. Oh my god! No one was cooler than Lisa Bonet. And no, and the Cosby Show showed uh, there that were people world. that looked. Like, oh my god, I love that show. Different but people world? that look like us. Yes. And also, I didn't know any people like that in my family that were as affluent as the the Cosbys. Cosby's. And I didn't even know my African American friends that were as you know anybody like that in where I grew up. So I was always like, wow, that is it's attainable. That's, yeah. And I had the same issues that the kids had. Yes. So we were relatable. Yes. We were just in different economic <laughs> brackets. You know yeah. what I mean? But I saw people that look like me that loved their their culture because we grew up loving our yes, culture. Yes, that's true. Oh, the first character that I created, or I mean, I didn't create, you know, they created it for me, Alan Ball and all of those wonderful people. I took the role and I did something with it, <laughs> but they created it was uh, Vanessa Diaz on Six Feet Under. They treated the character like a human being and not just a Latina. Same thing with Freddie Rodriguez. I mean, his character was amazing and he wasn't just the token Latino. We, they wrote for us like they would write for anybody else that was great i loved six feet under i'm so proud of that show i can't believe how long ago it was <laughs> but i'm you extremely exactly the same. Uh, yeah it's, right it's super annoying mm. yeah right <laughs> but but that was for me yeah yeah no and actually seeing justina on that show was notable for me as a as a fan because this was somebody who was like small and like cute and like latina and loved her family and like you said fleshed out yeah fleshed out she felt like a person and not somebody who was just in there as the wife of a main character and i say that f across the border of women yes right they really fleshed out this female uh and he, she happened to be latina and so that was that was really cool to see i remember that so distinctly they stayed away from stereotypes yep. and i mean i remember once we had an episode where some person who wrote it and i can't even remember wanted us to break into spanish for no reason and freddie and i were we didn't understand and freddie went to Alan Ball and Alan Ball was like well, if you're not comfortable with it we're taking it out because we're like listen we were born and raised in this country <laughs> we're proud of war of our ethnicity but we don't just break out I mean we do break out into Spanish but I don't but like with it the, with, but with yes, a purpose with a purpose right? we don't just do it because it makes us more colorful for your show right which is it's so offensive and insulting so that yeah. was the wonderful thing is that I learned there too that I could say something and you know Alan Ball was on our side Alan Poole they, they were on our side and that was awesome. That's the same huge. thing that happens on our show. We go to you. We go to Mike. We don't have a problem. You guys either tell us, well, this is what we need to do, and you talk it out with us, or we change it. There is no, I'm the boss, you're this. It's a collaboration. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. I think that's what makes it better. Yep. It's never just about being a female. We're also Latina. You know what I mean? Right. So there comes a whole other world with that. So most of the time, when the parts that we're playing, it's not even so much the female aspect that is not written that well. Not most of the time. When those projects come up, it's also the fact that it's a stereotype on top of stereotype. That's right. <laughs> you know? And you gotta, and we have to fight through those to even get to, yeah, write me like a woman. You know what I'm right, saying? Like a right. woman you know, not like a right. woman you think you know, right. or your nanny, or, you know, any of those things. I, I mean, it's getting a lot better. It's I getting a it lot is. better. I think it's getting a lot better because there are more women around and there are more men who love women around. That's right. It's getting better, and it's also, thankfully, in my career, of course I had to deal with that, of course, but I also chose not to play those roles. But see, but that's my personal thing. You know, there are times that you have to because you have to pay the bills, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I remember once I had to play this role and I was so embarrassed, but I needed to pay my mortgage. <laughs> 
I mean, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, it freaking happens. Or you're just like, oh, I got to take this part. Because it was a stereotype. <laughs> I was like, girl, you got to you gotta pay the bills, you know? But And it was also a one-off. So it's not a big deal. It's a guest star, you know? So some, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. That's the way I did it. And it wasn't even so bad of a thing. It, it's just that I'm very sensitive. I'm incredibly sensitive to those, to those things. So it wasn't even like she was walking around in a dress and dancing or anything like that. It's just even her name was like, oh, seriously? You know, even her name. And then just there really wasn't much to the character. In fact, I think the thing that made me more upset was her name more than anything. That's interesting. Yeah, because I was like, really? You know, I get it, but really? Or like when they make those long names that we do on our show, yeah. but we do it because we know it's true. <laughs> no, but we're not no, making fun we're of it. We're not making fun of it. We're not making fun of it. That's right. the difference. You're right. When somebody else writes it and doesn't have anybody and think that when they're making fun of it, I don't know why there's a difference. Maybe there shouldn't be a difference, but there's a difference to me. Yeah. And maybe one day I'll get over it. But uh, but at this you point, know you is? know, I think the difference is and I, I'm I'm this is a bastardization of something I'm sure that was much more articulate when uh, Dave Chappelle talked about it. But he was talking about he did this the the blind racist. Do you know that character? Oh, are you kidding me? I was in. I love okay. the Dave Chappelle show. Okay, so he said at one point he realized he had done it, and he he realized that there were people that were laughing for the reason he intended, and other people that were laughing for reasons he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's when he had a hard time with it. Look at that. And it's that's what it is. Is that when we're making fun of it, it's okay. We're doing a self-referential thing. Right. We're not. Look at this funny thing that these this funny way people talk. Exactly. And that the context is what makes it feel okay or not okay. I mean, when people are watching our show, I just want them to feel like they see themselves yeah. as human beings, right, in, within, the, within this Latino family. And also, I think that it's okay for them to be in on some of the... They can start to be in on some of those jokes, I think. It's interesting because I don't think they're insider jokes. I think they're they're jokes that any person who's come from any kind of background, any immigrant that's had, let's say, Polish or, you know, Italian or, or Greek, if they've just gotten here, there's somebody in their family that, that does the... You know, like in my Big Fat Greek wedding, it was the Windex, right? right. So in our family, it's the Vicks Vapor, Vapor Rub. rub. So you right. get it. Even even though yes. it's not the same thing, you get it. And you can connect to it with your family and with your people. And I think that's what's so great about our show. It's incredibly specific, but it's also incredibly open. You know, it's universal. That's yeah, what, that's what you can connect to. to that. Oh, it might not be that, but we do the same that's thing. That's right. I would say, similar to what Justina was saying in terms of playing stereotyped characters, when you're on a show on a staff, And there were places where I had a voice and places where I had less of a voice. What I found most interesting is it was a special thing if a Latino was there, right? It wasn't like, I've talked to the boys about it, so I'm happy talking about it. On How I Met Your Mother, the fact that that show took place in New York City and Ted didn't date 20 Puerto Ricans, I don't understand. (laughs) I I don't get it. I don't understand. Or if there wasn't a Hector was, or a junior in the bodega, what the hell? There's, and there was like 20 <laughs> blonde women he dated. And I'm like, I, I've never seen 20 blondes in New York City. <laughs> Walk down New York City. Have you seen, Point out how many blondes no, are there. There's no, not that many. Not that many. Not that many. So it just, for me, it was like, can he just, and we just don't even talk about it. She's just who, Lori or Jane or whatever. And she happens to be Latina. They were lovely, though. They were very lovely on that show. And they, they did listen to me. And they were they were great. But that it was more that. It was more, you know, on Rules of Engagement, we had a Latina character. And she was the maid who wanted a boob job. Who You know, and it was like, really? you guys? It's like, how many times? Yeah. So it's. I think what was more interesting <laughs> is when I was writing on those shows, I more just wanted 
if if we were casting the neighbor or the friend, I wanted those people to be people of color. I think that's getting better. I it think, is. I think that is people are broadening and, and that's happening more. But it was more that for me. Like, why can't why can't the teacher at the school be? Yeah. Latina or black or Asian. I mean, you know, it's, listen, it's la Latinos and, and African-Americans, I feel like we're out here talking a lot about representation. Asians, I think, are one percent on television. You know, another thing is that all of these people in the industry, all of my colleagues and, and people that aren't colleagues and this and that went to go see Hamilton. Yeah, and what they were blown away, and what does Hamilton have? It just has. Uh, there's the the blind casting. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. seeing George Washington. Chris Jackson is George Washington. You know, Lynn played uh, Hamilton. All of these people of color, and everybody's like, "Oh my God!" Well, let's bring that over here. Let's open those. Let, let's yes. start doing that. Yes. So if there is a neighbor, it doesn't have to be Tim. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it could be Tim. It could be Tim. But how about Tim is 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 Latino? Right. Or Tim is Asian right. or Native American. By the way, I do have to share a story. Somebody told. What? Somebody told the other day what? that they went to see Hamilton. Yeah. And there was a girl behind <laughs> sitting behind them that was like, I didn't know that Aaron Burr was black. Oh. I was like, oh guys. Wow. Oh boy. Oh, let's do wow. some work. Oh. Let's do some work here. <laughs> wow. Let's do some work. Come on. She everybody. probably didn't even know who the hell Aaron Burr I know, was. I know. She's just like Aaron it just Burr's killed black. me. It just made me it was like, oh, America. But yeah, yes, on, there you go. Let's get it together. But see, but look at how look at that success. Look at how incredible yes. that is. No, it's great. So it it's is great. changing. And people are reading these scripts nowadays, I think, I think, and I hope, and they're saying, Come on, man. Yeah, let's really? mix it up. Come let's on. just mix it up. I just think it makes it interesting. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to topple uh, white America. I just want to be seated at the table. How could we even ever do that? Uh, okay, fun fact. Okay, here we go. Fun fact about uh, One Day at a Time Season 2. All of our directors were all women, people of color, or both. That's true. Mm -hmm. Our writing staff is 50% female, 50% POC, and 20% LGBTQIA+. And our guest cast was 61% female and 50% POC and disabled. So I tweeted that, and all these people are like, where are the white people? I know. I'm like, what do you think the other 50% is, people? Yeah, we just want it seats at the table. We're not trying to take anything away. No, no. And we, it's, just, it's, it's all fear. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Let's all, let's all eat at the table. Yeah. Okay, tropes. What kind tropes of tropes yeah. about women? Uh, oh God, please! Oh, God, how much so time do you many. have? <laughs> tropes about women. I mean, how about the fact that, uh, like, on most sitcoms, and this is changing now too, which is really awesome. They're so boring, and they're so naggy, and yes. oh, there's my. Those are those zany kids, yes. and my. Another thing is, um, I, I guess women. You know, we never think of somebody if they're attractive. You know, only men do that. You know, they got yeah. these hot wives, where I don't know yeah. what they look like, and of I course, know. we're just happy that. That you like me. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> there's a movie out right now, and there's a big star, and he's beautiful and everything, but his leading lady literally has to be 25 to 30 years younger than him. Literally. And I don't care how good he looks. You know? Yes. It's just that. Oh, my God. That, that you know, they can't be, that yeah. if they're strong, they're ball busters as opposed to just being strong. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. a, you, bitch, a, a bitch. bitch. Uh, look yeah, at just some, because they like they know what they want. Intimidating. Yeah, I mean, all of these things that you know uh, what that, that, are that casting thing is so interesting because I have a friend who just booked a project where she's playing like it's a twentieth wedding or a twentieth uh, anniversary of like all these people that were friends since they were like kids, mm -hmm. and she's twelve years younger than the rest of the cast. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's like no wonder women are looking at uh, feeling this way about themselves yep. because 
when they're watching things, it's like, oh God, look how good that woman looks. Cause she's yeah. 25 <laughs> playing 39. Hello. Hello. It's crazy. It's insane. No, it is. Anyway, but I also feel like I maybe loved... women have to start getting a little bit more of what more what men have. Because men, as they get older, like, you know, we obsess about our age. We do, women. Yes. And I'm, I'm trying not to. I'm really trying not to because it's, it's ridiculous and it's stupid. But men, they, they're like, I don't I guess I'm old, but I'm going for that 20-year-old right there. That's, I don't care. Yeah. Or 30 or not all men. All right. Yes, I'm going to put that there. Men. But what I'm saying is they kind of like, we're always like, yeah. no, look at us. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, is he going to to think oh seriously we are we think like that yeah. is he gonna look at us and think that we're old or is he gonna i've heard this from my girlfriends yes. and i don't know a man that says that she gonna look Turns at me and think that i'm men old like women and like having sex <laughs> that is they ain't worried about it yeah you know so we need it. to stop worrying about it yeah, so much look it's no fun trying to find the perfect pair of jeans you don't want to spend hundreds of dollars, at least I don't. You want something that lasts so you don't have to do that shopping over and over and over again. At the same time, you want your butt to look good, you want to feel comfortable in them, you don't want to have to think about it in the morning, you just want to put them on and go about your life. So here's the deal. Distilled offers premium denim and luxury essentials at an affordable price. Jeans that would normally cost hundreds of dollars, Distilled has starting at just 75 just as an FYI, I am running around on planes. I'm running from the plane onto a meeting. Honestly, I may have slept in mine from time to time. They'll ship them to you for free and give you free returns until you find the perfect pair. All you have to do is go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D, and then use that promo code TV Campfire at checkout and get 20% off any style you want. They're practically giving them to you, free shipping, free returns. You can be trying them on at home, probably while the television's on. Really, what do you have to lose? Go right now, use the code 20% off, D-S-T-L-D.com. One of the things I really loved is, and Mike and I have talked about this, Mike Royce, the wonderful Mike Royce, is my co-creator and co-showrunner of One Day at a Time. When we cast Victor, who plays her husband, the wonderful James Martinez, mm -hmm. he is, in real life, younger than Justina. Yeah, he's, and he's like, like a, 10 like, years like younger. Like 10 years younger. Mm -hmm. And Tony Plana, who is opposite Rita, is like... 30 years younger? No, no, no. He's How much uh, younger is he? He's like, he's like 20, 20, years, 20 younger. years younger than 20 years Rita. Younger. Yeah. And I'm in. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like, not that we're trying, we no, cast see, those but, actors because they were the best actors. But you didn't care. But we didn't care. We cast it because they were the best actors. I just love having that female eye and to and to give a shout out to my dear friend, Tanya Sriracha, who has, a, who has a new show, Vida, coming out. I watched the first two episodes of that show and without giving anything away, there is a sex scene that's so sexy in the first episode where the woman is not naked at all. Oh, yeah. See, I love that. And I was like, and you see a dick? You see full frontal of oh, a man. Damn. You see a dick Hello. in the funniest way. It's like, oh, are they going to? Well, because it's funny they to gonna, see a dick. They do they're it. They're not like, you yeah, know. Yeah, they're not pretty. I get it. No, they're no, not pretty. No, unless you love them. Well, I unless love them, but the I guy. still, listen, I love them, and I'm still like, really? <laughs> that? All right. Sometimes they're pretty. Come on. Sometimes <laughs> Um, oh my god! Anyway, yes, <laughs> they're beautiful. Penises are beautiful. <laughs>
Well, well you know, maybe they, we would think they were more beautiful if they if showed we us. Saw them if more? we show them, if they oh, showed it more, as opposed to you know all, always seeing the female you, maybe, form, which we know that's is beautiful. Why maybe men are angry because their penises aren't around. Aren't, aren't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's why all this uh, sexual aggression is happening. They're, they, it's like what's wrong? You I know, know, like what was I thinking? But maybe they just need to see penises more. But, but anyway. What do you think the difference is between complex and complicated? complicated? I feel like it's so obvious. Tell me then. I mean, it's just because I'm complex doesn't mean I'm complicated. That just means I have levels. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's complex, like not complicated. To me, complicated is somebody it's that, you know. It's a negative word, Yeah, right? it's a negative word. To me, complex is a, is a word that, yes, there it's you go. It's interesting versus. Uh, interesting versus negative, you know, yeah. like, well, she's complex as opposed to, well, she's complicated. You know, right, there's right, like things. Right, right. And maybe other people might think it's the same thing, but not to me. I feel like you said, one is interesting. And one has a negative connotation. Yes. I hate the note, uh, that's not likable, or she's not likable, or that <laughs> so thing stupid. isn't likable. I hate that note. Because that note to me actually means you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's good that you're uncomfortable. Why are you uncomfortable? And what does that have to say about you? Because likability is boring but the thing is is that it's not boring on our show because there's penelope is well is because layered. we give you things right that's what i mean she's but we layered give you quote unquote some unlikable traits absolutely which i always want you yes, know that you do. i'm yes. always like I, a character to me that's that is incredible is a flawed character which is why i loved loved even though they never had any people of color uh you were rarely sex in the city yeah loved because those women were so complex you know what i mean and yeah. there were so many layers Yes. And Sarah Jessica Parker, of course, my in, my know. favorite character in that I whole know. show, Carrie Bradshaw, is like, sometimes you just were like, wow, you are such an asshole. You know what I mean? And other times you're like, I want to be Carrie Bradshaw. I loved her. That was a real, that was a yeah. real, you know, except yeah. for the fabulous shoes that she walked in all the time. Yes, I was like, damn, true. girl, Those really? Too. You living mm. in that apartment uh-huh. and you're like... <laughs> It's- but I loved that character. And, uh, and, and look at that. Not all of them were likable all it's the time. True. It's true. Yeah, because everybody is likable and unlikable in life, depending on the moment and the situation. So, Look at Tony Soprano. I, know, I mean, you know, oh like, come on, you're not supposed to like him, but every, but you, but you did, you rooted for, for him. this killer. Yes, it's true. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, Tony it's Soprano, true. and I've I've yet to see in a drama a female character mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. the Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. That would be great. That would be great. yeah being the only woman in the room it is strange it's strange because i have been the only woman in the room and sometimes the only person of color in a room so it's a double whammy of i now represent all women and represent all people of color like literally it's like we're doing this muslim story gloria (laughs) yes my first few years as a writer i'm very sensitive i'm a really really sensitive person I would go in the room, something would happen, I'd go to the bathroom, weep, mm. throw water on my face, go back into the room, right? Because it's like, I gotta get, I gotta push through, I gotta push through. And for the longest time, I thought that was my weakness, my sensitivity. And then I realized, no, you know what? I think that's what makes me a good writer, is that I'm real sensitive. When somebody tells me, if somebody cries in front of me, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> if somebody, you know what I mean? Like, things, things touch me and they, so, then it becomes I'm going to be in a room where if people feel like crying, they don't feel like they have to go to the bathroom to do that. 
And that's what we've done with this show. Oh, please. There's you know how many Kleenex times I've boxes. cried? There's Kleenex boxes all over the tables because we cry in our yeah. rooms. Um, and, but hopefully they're crying not because they're feeling ashamed or belittled, but because they're sharing a story. <laughs> oh, in your writer's room. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. That's cool. Yes. We cry, we cry in there. Yeah. People cry in there. I mean, I've been fortunate. Other rooms I've had, there have been a few women. I did definitely see that change. I did see that shift. That, that there would be more women in there. But even the LGBTQIA plus writers in our room, the queer writers, there's three queer writers this year. And they're like, what? Normally there'd be one of us. What's up, queer writers? Uh, oh, that's it's right. Real gay. It's real I gay in there I know. My, yeah. yeah I, was like, I was like, ooh, we got a, a real gay room in there. I know. <laughs> I love it. It's great. When I go in sometimes to read for things, sometimes the only other woman is the casting director. Who's in there? That's interesting. <laughs> Producers, writers, director, all men. That's most of my career. Yeah. I, like most of my career. I, I didn't even, I mean, I, I remember having, having a meeting once on a show that I was on and I had to meet with the showrunners and the, the studio heads and all men, me in a room, all men, we're talking, you know. And then one of the things that was said to me was, I feel like you, uh, like you have an attitude. And I said, no, I feel like I'm talking to you without any emotion, which is what they told me to do. Not talk to you with any emotion, but I guess you think I have an attitude. <laughs> like, literally. See, but I can hold my own. I'm not worried about it. No, you know, no, I'm more no. worried about them in the room with me. Yeah, you know, yeah, but it's too. like, right? Them, me sure. too. It's um, something I think we're so used to. Yeah. Right. That we don't even think about it. We're so used to it. So now when we start to see more women in the room, it's like, I love it. I love it because I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to get me. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to get me. They're right. not going to tell me that I'm too big well, or I'm too this or I, I mean, I mean, big with my hands or big like, right. you know, they're going to get what uh, my the humor. They're going to get me. You know, well, it's also it's also in a room when you are breaking stories. A lot of it, a lot of what goes in is based on the amount of people that laugh at a joke the amount of people that are like, oh, my God, me too, right? Like, that universality is what oftentimes will make something go in. So if you're the minority, regardless, male, female, queer, you know, a person of color, whatever, and you say, oh, this, and there's nobody there that's had that experience to back it up, it won't go in. Yeah. So, or people go, no, it's not that way. But if then three other Latinos are like, oh, yeah, it was like that in my family, too. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Because people, it's hard to break through what you think your normal life is. So that kind of stuff is where it's really impactful. Because when you're doing a sort of by committee thing to get those, those ideas, those little textural things in, you need some form of consensus. I will say that for a long time in my career as a writer, I wrote for white shows. I loved working on all those shows. Mm -hmm. Different experiences. I learned so much on every show. I made friends for life on every staff. Doing this show and finally, and I was, I was hesitant to write about my family and my Latino experience because I had so many people come up to me and say, like, be careful when you do it because you get to do it once, which as it turns out is not true. You get to do it many times. If <laughs> but you get, but I understand that in those days, you know, not, yes, not, not 10 true. years ago, you sold your story once and that was what, that was it. And so I was very nervous to do it. And after having done it, I'll tell you. You know, we did Clexicon last weekend, which is a, a positive representations of, of gay women, specifically queer uh, women on television. And an hour of people just hugging me and crying. 
Thank you for this representation. Thank you for shining a light on these female characters. Thank you. veterans coming up to us and telling us it's it's like I can't go back. You know, it's like something has cracked open. I initially, you know, I said on the Clexicon panel, you know, Mike's this the LGBT story came from Mike. His daughter was coming out. He wanted Elena to be queer. I was interested in telling Latinx stories. That's where I was coming from. That's what was important to me. But in, And then Norman brought in the veteran aspect. So we sort of put all of these things that were really important to us in a blender to make this show. And now that we have, it has only given me a hunger to tell more stories of other because I think they're really interesting like I just put together a story document for history of them they when you do a pilot they also want you to put together a document of where you see the series going and one of the first stories was about a disabled character a character with a disability they like to be called both I'm told uh, <laughs> and it's because that is something that's so very rarely represented we we had the privilege of doing that on one day at a time with a character that it's not about her being in a wheelchair she just happens to be in a wheelchair and is part of this veterans group but the the positive portrayals and the tweets that we've gotten just for that representation of this character is huge and so for me now the hunger and the why i wake up creatively aside from my family who i love and 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 inspire so much of my life is i know that's important i know that feeling invisible is not something i want anybody to feel and in this world which is very divided I think that shows like this can be can provide an inclusivity that will bring us closer together, and that is certainly my hope with my work for the future. Yeah, that's beautiful. Telling these stories excite me, and I think uh, I agree. I don't feel like there's a turning back. You know, I always wanted to do something important with my art. You know, and I feel like the shows that I'm known for have been important, and uh, you know, this makes me really, really happy and excited one of the things that I get asked a lot is do I feel a responsibility and do I feel pressure because of that responsibility to kind of represent my people and I go no way do I feel pressure or responsibility I feel responsibility but I welcome that responsibility I feel honored that I have that responsibility why would it be a bad thing you know it's not a bad thing to be able to change what you think we are and that's not everybody you know you know I'm from Chicago I, I, I'm from Chicago I lived in New York now I live in Los Angeles I've lived in three big cities in the United States but not every city is like that in the, in this country sometimes I I go somewhere and the questions that are asked like do I speak Puerto Rican I'm like okay that would be Spanish <laughs> where is Puerto Rico oh well I don't know maybe you should know because it's part of your country you know what I mean there's so many things so I'm to just be fair I couldn't point out like North Dakota on a map oh I, but I hello welcome is. to the welcome I to the public know. school system know. in I the know. United States I, of America well, I went to private school oh god life, damn I know. See? <laughs> Private school. I got it. I'm sorry, like, North Dakota. Gotta, I'm going to find out where dude, you are. Dude, I know where Chicago's at. I know the West Coast. Like, we'll figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. But I feel great. That's That excites me. Telling these stories excites And that's kind of like, uh, that's the only thing I feel kind of, I get nervous about, but I'm trying not to think about it. Like, when the day comes that our show is over, like, oh my God, what am I going to do with this incredible, what's everything else? I got else? a lot more for you to do, Machado. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is everything else going to be like? You know, that's what it feels like. What is everything else going to feel like yeah. after being able to, to do so many things in this character that so many 
of us can do. First of all, as a woman, as a Latina woman, a Latinx woman, to be able to do these things that we don't necessarily, even women, just regular women, like like white women don't even get to do half the stuff that I do on one day at a time. Do you know? So that's like, oh, wow, what's going to happen? I think what's really strange, and Justina and I talk about this a lot, too, is that when you're part of something that is um, speaking to people in this way and in a moment in time like this time, we're going to be talking about this show for the rest of our lives, regardless of what happens with yes. it. We're going to be two old ladies on panels talking about it's what like it was like. It's like me on Six Feet Under. People always want to talk exactly. about Six Feet Under. Exactly. And now, for the first time ever, I have a show that has eclipsed Six Feet Under. I really mean that. People still are crazy Six Feet Under fans, as they should be. Yeah, it's a fabulous too. show. I love it. I love but it. But I'm saying it's best not the series finale ever. Uh, the in best. The world. There, it's never Nothing been a better. better. Never been a better series finale. But but the questions are not are no longer of just about Six Feet Under. Even when I'm doing other things, now this is how important, and that's what I mean. How lucky am I to have been on a show that revolutionized television, Six Feet Under? That isn't that's an incredible show because if you saw that, then all of those dark comedies started mm-hmm. to kind of come out mm-hmm. right after six feet under and then being on something like this where we have people petitioning and campaigning for us to get picked up i i, I i've never seen anything like that and then norman says he's never seen anything like it's that true we That's just got nominated for a peabody award i mean come yeah. on yeah yeah it's That's pretty good. awesome it's pretty good yep we're in a good moment machado we're That's in a good right. moment. That's right. Here we go. So, Kate, (laughs) what do you think is the difference between complex and complicated? You know, I've thought about this, and I really think the difference is that complex has been made to mean, you know, dynamic and uh, detailed and deep. It's thought of as as something maybe to even aspire to. You don't want to be simple. You want to be complex. But complicated is meant to be, like, difficult. Complicated sounds like a math problem like that negative connotation of it is a problem. Literally what I just thought of was like, he, he died from complications. Yes, it's <laughs> like when is, when, are, when is the word complications not used in a negative way? Whereas complex is something that makes it more interesting. It's something that does add layers to it. There's still something to figure out about it. People will even talk about food, like the flavor is so complex. It's layered, it's deep. Yes, whereas it's... if you said the food is complicated, that would mean like the food doesn't know what it is and therefore it's probably not very good. It's more like... Like when someone asks you a question, why did you two break up? It's complicated. Yeah. Like that's such an eye roll of an answer. Oh my gosh, it's even a Facebook status. But when you say... Why did you two break up? Well, it's a complex issue. That at least makes you think there's meaning. There's meaning to it, and there's reasons behind it. What I thought was really fascinating about this episode, we thought it was going to be a conversation about women and those two words and and gender and things like that. But really what broke open for us in this episode was it was so much more about every issue that we have, be it political or social or storytelling, It all, all of them can be talked down to by being called complicated or be lifted up by being called complex. I think what's cool is that television now has the ability to really break open these concepts and show it has almost a responsibility to show the difference between complex and complicated. And at the end of the day, you need to just represent honest stories. And television has this extreme ability to be able to show very specific people that are universally accessible. 
it's not just about women anymore. It's about different races mm-hmm. and genders and sexualities and ethnicities and, and religions. Yeah, yeah. And beliefs. And that whenever those come up in story or in the world, yeah, sometimes those differences can make things complicated, but it's because everyone is such a complex person. Life is complicated, but people are complex. Uh, So One Day at a Time was a series in 1975 starring Bonnie Franklin. It was about a single mother, and it was the first time a divorced woman had ever been on TV in a comedy. In fact, Norman talks about how Mary Tyler Moore, they wanted to make her divorced, and and the network refused. It was much too scandalous. So this was revolutionary to have a divorced woman raising her two daughters, played by Mackenzie Phillips and uh, Valerie Bertinelli. And, of course, the the late and great Pat Harrington Jr., who played Schneider. So that show touched on very real, very serious issues that this single mother faced raising her kids in Indianapolis. And so when they came to us, it was Brent Miller's idea, Norman's producing partner, to remake this show in a Latinx context. We talked about what that meant and what that would look like, and I told Norman personal stories of my life. And we made The Family Cuban because I'm Cuban. I'm a West Coast Cuban, which... There are lots of, but Mm -hmm. most people know Cubans as being either Jersey or Miami, of course. We sort of did it through that lens. And then, of course, the ideas from, you know, my co-creator, Mike Royce, the the teenage stories, a lot of them come from Mike's experience because his kids are a decade older than mine. They're actual teenagers. (laughs) And mine are, uh, you know, still little, still quite little. That's sort of how the show came about. When we're talking about Issues. I mean, we don't consider the show an issue show or a political show, humorously enough. We really just think about who these characters are and how the world around them is affecting them. That's it. So it's not like we sit down and say, I mean, look, there are topics. Sure. There are, you know, this is happening in the world right now. It's interesting and impactful and something that I feel like Elena would talk about or Penelope would care about. Certainly the politics that happen in this country as it relates to a family that is, you know, middle class, Mm -hmm. which this family is, and veteran issues. This is we just think about what would this family talk about and care about a young boy that is very interested in being a young man Mm -hmm. and what that means and having friends that are much wealthier than he is and what that looks like Uh, a young queer girl as she is coming out and figuring out who she is and how the world around her would you know this is los angeles so there's marches and there's things that are happening in the city so it's we think first of what is happening and then how does it affect these characters That's really where everything comes from. If we're being political, we try to do it in terms of each of these characters. Like, they're very largely based on on where I feel I'm at in my life and where I feel a lot of my peers are in their life. Mm -hmm. Where my mom is old school. They are old school Catholic. You know, there is a way that they were brought up and a way that they think the world looks. And I have challenged them, right? But I'm really in the middle. I I who thought my whole life that I was really liberal, I'm realizing I'm really moderate. I'm really kind of somewhere in the middle. And then this next generation that's coming up is a whole different thing, man. They got a whole different, I mean, now it's really educating me. I went to something the other day where everyone introduces themselves by saying, you know, hi, my name is Gloria. My pronouns are her and, and she. Huh? Because this is where we're living now. Individuality, figuring out who you are. It's all wonderful. It's just I'm out of my depth and I'm learning. 
so when when a topic hits these characters, it's not like oh we're trying to be conservative yeah. and liberal, and it's these these characters are looking in the world in that way. So the conversations are what would these what would my mom say about this? Yeah. And what would I say about it? And then what would Elena say about it? That's it. And that's I think we figured that out the first season because I remember the the episode that we kind of figured that out. And it was the second episode that we were doing and it was about the sexism. And the first draft we've got of the script, I kind of was just as passionate as Elena was. Rita's character, Lydia, was what she was. And I remember having a conversation with Gloria and Mike and we said, you know, I don't think I should be as passionate as Elena is. I think there should be... She should be somewhere in the middle because then we're not really showing what it really is. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you know, because we, the, the script changes all the time, you know. So yes. it's the first draft and then it changes, changes, changes. But I also think like from there, it, it was kind of how we just started to say, yes, these are three different women, uh, uh, women three different times and three different. And and by the way, like I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm pretty liberal. I, I'm really liberal. Yeah. But I also, you know. When I start to meet millennials, I realize I'm not as liberal as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yes. like, oh, okay. Like, yes. literally, you yes. know. And so you are learning. I have my brother. I have two brothers who are millennials and a sister. And, yeah, there is no there, there is no in-between for them. It's yeah. right or wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of kind of what we need right now I think you know but there's but it's that's the beauty of our show is that you see all of these different kind of opinions and and I think you know Gloria said this uh, and Mike has said this we hope that our show you know opens up conversation yeah that opens up dialogue so that we're not so judgy towards each other you know so the story is what is really where it starts so the story is about a Cuban family so these people are playing the story and we have these, I mean, we're so lucky and blessed to have these actors to portray this story. So we are not trying to be, this is the story of every Latino. I think that's actually been the problem of Latinx content in the past, yeah. is that it tries so much to relate to everybody that it alienates. Whereas, weirdly, the more specific you get, the more the, the more specific you get, the more universal it becomes. So even, I've had like, just immigrants like anyone who's an immigrant who's like oh my god the butter tub the butter tub was my vietnamese grandmother or my chinese grandma or my i mean it's that's so many people have reached out about those specifics (laughs) so i think it really does start with the story this happens to be about one cuban family all cuban families are different yes this is a west coast cuban family and this is their experience as told through my lens when i was growing up like in the 70s it was melting pot right it was melt, melt away. That was my parents. Like, don't have an accent. Don't melt. You got to become part of this thing. And then that evolved and it became sort of this mixed salad idea of like, keep your own thing, but you're within a larger thing that's delicious and wonderful. And then that's not even right to me now because we become, I've never set foot in Cuba. I don't know what it's like to really be Cuban. I'm Cuban-American by virtue of the fact that I know my parents' beautiful stories of where they came from. But I'm really an Oregonian, a Californian. And I think now, you know, 
I feel the same way, by the way. I went to Puerto Rico the first time in my life when I was 20 years old. First time ever. So I consider myself a, a Chicago Puerto Rican. I mean, even more so than Puerto Rico, Chicago. And I want, yes. you know, and it's the like, yes. I, and I loved so, being there and I love knowing the history of my grandmother and my, yes. but I also know that my history is in Chicago. Yes. You know, and so, so there is, it's complicated. It's complicated. That's and I, complicated. And I think, too, because we are starved of representation presentation on television that everybody watching wants it to be exactly them because yes. they've had nothing and we get that and i yeah. get that man i get it i get that I if do. you are a certain way you want you hear about this and you're like oh my god you want it to be 100 be 100 me and the thing is we need to redefine uh because somebody tweeted to me the other day that they were talking about portos and they were like oh portos is not authentic and they were like, oh, well, Gloria Calderon Keller thinks it's authentic. She's like, oh, well, she's from, she's an L.A. Cuban. She's not really Cuban. See, see, why do they do that? Yeah. Why, why does that, you know what? Like, why do but you think you it, have the right to honestly, do that? It made me laugh because yeah, I was I know, like, it's, but a, it's so what? annoying. It's, so you're only really Cuban if you come from a certain part of the world. It's come crazy. on, people. No, it's true. You know, I but know. it's worth discussing. It it's is. It's worth discussing it because is. it is, I think, a part of what divides us as Latinos. And by the way, the Cubans I at love home. No, you know why? Because I love those portals, people. Oh, Portos is amazing. Rose, all of those you just people, crazy if you don't like Portos. And also, the, the owners are so amazing. And their families were political exiles from Cuba, just like the person who That's probably right. said that, that came to Los Angeles to st started that little Portos on the corner of Sunset and Parkman. So let's celebrate people yes. and stop trying to tear them down. Yes. And so I think generally, <laughs> yeah. I, I think generally, I think that we as a community of Latinos need to let good things be good. I think equality and representation are totally different. And I think things will shift and change depending on the storytellers. So the more room we can make for more stories, the more people can tell specific points of view. And I'd love to see a story about Puerto Ricans living in Chicago and Cubans that live in Miami. Yeah, and yeah because with Puerto Ricans, we are. always just see New York Ricans. That's right. You know, which That's is right. totally fine. Yeah. You know, but there is a different, there's sure. a different thing. Like, I never, I didn't meet a Dominican until I moved to New York. And in New York, that's the whole, the now I have like a million Dominican friends, you know, but in Chicago, the racial Latino were Puerto Rican Mexicans. Puerto Rican and Mexicans. So I, all of these other people, I didn't even know any Cubans <laughs> until I moved to Los Angeles, you know? Like my mom did, because she worked, actually her job, they were her bosses. So she she worked with them. And it was so many things growing up where I grew up. So yeah, that would yeah. be interesting so to see that more, kind of the story. The more there is, the more there will be. And I think that's why we need to let good things be good. And, yep. and, yeah, and support. And celebrate and support. And we love we love. And if Jane we get Virgin. something wrong, that's okay. You know, you can tell us, you know, like, relax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give it, you know, let's all give each other a break. Let's give you each know? other a break. That's all. Because we love, like, I, I love Jane the Virgin. They're not Venezuelan. Nobody's Venezuelan on Jane the Virgin, okay? And and, and we on love my that block, show. On my block is wonderful. They're telling really great, important stories, and you know a lot of them are not Latino. And and you know we we're the story is where it should come from. And then hopefully the more stories there are, the more opportunities there will be for other people to step in. Yes. And and uh, more representation can get better and better and better and better. Because better. I'll tell you one thing. I know that we're gonna but one day at a time. Open the door now. Glorious pilot history of them. You know, uh, which we're all like rooting for. That wouldn't. 
have happened that's without right. them seeing that it can happen. So that's what I tell people all the time. I know you want your story to be told. And like I, we said, we understand we it. it. But you need to support the other things because I swear if that doesn't do well, you're not walking in the door. Because what Hollywood wants is success. Do you know if this is successful, then we need another one like this. We need another one like that. And so that is... The, you know, you, I'm not asking you to support stuff that you think is a stereotype or not or, good. Or no, not if you good, don't think it's good, but that's it's okay. But don't know. don't put it away just because you don't like that that certain person doesn't share that ethnicity. Success, uh, what success looks like for me, it changes every every day, every year. It changes, right? So once you get to a certain thing, you're like, wow, I, I, I'm successful. I know I'm successful. But it, but I know there's going to be another level of successfulness that I, I need to get to. I want to get to and I will get to, you know? So it changes. It just, but I feel successful. It's just that, you know, the sky's the limit when it comes to that. I think it evolves. I think success evolves. So for me, success is feeling that I am in control of what I'm creating to some degree. I think I look forward to being more successful because then I'll be able to more purely like Netflix has been really pure in allowing us to create what we want. It's different being on network. I've loved my process creating the show with CBS, but it's very different. I think the more successful you get, like a Chuck Lorre doesn't take any notes. He does exactly what he wants. And everything Shonda rhymes. Shonda rhymes. So I think the more I can create purely for me, creating purely being able to write exactly what I want to write and produce exactly what I want to produce and hire exactly who I want to hire all of those oh, yeah. steps 20 people are involved in the decision making of every one of those steps we were actually lucky with one day at a time to have a fairly easy casting process and that's because you know? Netflix is pretty amazing yeah, when it comes really, to that they were really great we <laughs> yeah. said these are who these are who we want and we were really quite successful you know you with, got everybody you wanted yeah we did everybody uh, and we that did. that does not we happen What's the future of TV? I think TV is going to become more and more personalized. And I think that's really exciting for content creators. I think that in, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be alive to see this, but I think Netflix was very wise to make deals with Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy because I think that the future is uh, creators creating their own content and having their own networks. Because really what it is is by hiring Shonda and Ryan, what they're really saying is you like this type of show Keep paying for your subscription, and that's what we're going to supply to you. But somebody is going to wise up, and somebody is going to say, I'm Joss Whedon. You guys like what I make, so pay $10 an episode, and I and pre-order the season, and I will make this show for you. I think that there is a world where that can happen. Damn. For me, Firefly was like my favorite show of all time. I would have paid 20 bucks a season for that show to keep going. I loved it. It's changed so much. I just roll with the punches. Who knows? I, I have no idea. But whatever happens, you know, uh, I'll be there for the ride. Gotta take it, take it one day at a time. We gotta take. We gotta take it one day at a time. That's right. The TV Campfire was produced by Kristen Myers with music and editing by Five Ohm Productions. 
This production was made possible by our wonderful partners, Matica Productions and the Forever Dog Podcast Network. Be sure to check out their other great series at foreverdogpodcast.com. Go to atxfestival.com for details on this and our other audio projects. You can also buy badges and join us at the festival June 7th through 10th in Austin. And you can watch the season finale of this podcast live. We hope to see you there.